0: Chapter 9, Part 2 of Celebrated Crimes, Volume 3, Mary Stewart. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dorothy Godfrey Smith. Celebrated Crimes, Volume 3, Mary Stewart, by Alexandre Dumas. Chapter 9, Part 2 with these words she rose, and, bowing to the earls, Sir Robert Beale, Amias, and Drury, she indicated, by a gesture full of dignity, that she wished to be alone and in peace. Then, as they prepared to go out, "'Apropos, my lords,' said she, "'for what o'clock should I make ready to die?' "'For eight o'clock to-morrow, madam,' answered the earl of Shrewsbury, stammering. "'It is well,' said Mary.' But have you not some reply to make me from my sister elizabeth relative to a letter which i wrote to her about a month ago and of what did this letter treat if it please you madam asked the earl of kent of my burial and my funeral ceremony my lord i asked to be interred in france in the cathedral church of rheims near the late queen my mother that may not be madam replied the earl of kent but do not trouble yourself as to all these details the queen my august mistress will provide for them as is suitable has your grace anything else to ask us i would also like to know said mary if my servants will be allowed to return each to his own country with the little that i can give him which will hardly be enough in any case for the long service they have done me "'and the long imprisonment they have borne on my account. "'We have no instructions on that head, madam,' the Earl of Kent said. "'But we think that an order will be given for this, "'as for the other things, in accordance with your wishes. "'Is this all that your grace has to say to us?' "'Yes, my lord,' replied the Queen, bowing a second time. "'And now you may withdraw.' "'One moment, my lords, in heaven's name, one moment!' cried the old physician, coming forward and throwing himself on his knees before the two earls. "'What do you want?' asked Lord Shrewsbury. "'To point out to you, my lords,' replied the aged Bourgoin, weeping, "'that you have granted the queen but a very short time for such an important matter as this of her life.' Reflect, my lords, what rank and degree she, whom you have condemned, has held among the princes of this earth, and consider if it is well and seemly to treat her as an ordinary condemned person of middling estate. And if not for the sake of this noble queen, my lords, do this for the sake of us, her poor servants, who, having had the honour of living near her so long, cannot thus part from her so quickly and without preparation. Besides, my lords, think of it. A woman of her state and position ought to have some time in which to set in order her last affairs. And what will become of her and of us if before dying our mistress has not time to regulate her jointure and her accounts and to put in order her papers and her title deeds? She has services to reward, and offices of piety to perform. She should not neglect the one or the other. Besides, we know that she will only concern herself with us. And through this, my lords, neglect her own salvation. Grant her then a few more days, my lords. And as our mistress is too proud to ask of you such a favour, I ask you in all our names and implore you not to refuse to poor servants a request which your august queen would certainly not refuse them, if they had the good fortune to be able to lay it at her feet. Is it then true, madam, Sir Robert Beale asked, that you have not yet made a will? I have not, sir, the queen answered. In that case, my lords, said Sir Robert Beale, turning to the two earls, Perhaps it would be a good thing to put it off for a day or two. Impossible, sir, replied the Earl of Shrewsbury. The time is fixed, and we cannot change anything, even by a minute now. Enough, Bourgoin, enough, said the queen. Rise, I command you. Bourgoin obeyed, and the Earl of Shrewsbury turning to Sir Amias Paulet, who was behind him. Sir Amias, said he. We entrust this lady to your keeping you will charge yourself with her and keep her safe till our return with these words he went out followed by the earl of kent sir robert beale amias paulet and drury and the queen remained alone with her servants then turning to her women with as serene a countenance as if the event which had just taken place was of little importance well jean said she speaking to kennedy have i not always told you and was i not right that at the bottom of their hearts they wanted to do this and did i not see clearly through all their procedure the end they had in view and know well enough that i was too great an obstacle to their false religion to be allowed to live come continued she hasten supper now that i may put my affairs in order Then seeing that instead of obeying her her servants were weeping and lamenting my children said she with a sad smile but without a tear in her eye it is no time for weeping quite the contrary for if you love me you ought to rejoice that the lord in making me die for his cause relieves me from the torments i have endured for nineteen years as for me I thank him for allowing me to die for the glory of his faith and his Church. Let each have patience then, and while the men prepare supper, we women will pray to God. The men immediately went out, weeping and sobbing, and the Queen and her women fell on their knees. When they had recited some prayers, Mary rose, and sending for all the money she had left, She counted it and divided it into portions, which she put into purses with the name of the destined recipient in her handwriting, with the money. At that moment, supper being served, she seated herself at table with her women as usual, the other servants standing, or coming and going, her doctor waiting on her at table as he was accustomed since her steward had been taken from her she ate no more nor less than usual speaking throughout supper of the earl of kent and of the way in which he betrayed himself with respect to religion by his insisting on wanting to give the queen a pastor instead of a priest happily she added laughing one more skillful than he was needed to change me meanwhile Bourgoin was weeping behind the queen for he was thinking that he was serving her for the last time, and that she who was eating, talking, and laughing thus, next day, at the same hour, would be but a cold and insensible corpse. When the meal was over the queen sent for all her servants. Then, before the table was cleared of anything, she poured out a cup of wine, rose and drank to their health, "'asking them if they would not drink to her salvation. "'Then she had a glass given to each one. "'All kneeled down, and all, says the account "'from which we borrow these details, drank, "'mingling their tears with the wine, "'and asking pardon of the queen "'for any wrongs they had done her. "'The queen granted it heartily, "'and asked them to do as much for her, and to forget her impatient ways, which she begged them to put down to her imprisonment. Then, having given them a long discourse in which she explained to them their duties to God, and exhorted them to persevere in the Catholic faith, she begged them, after her death, to live together in peace and charity, forgetting all the petty quarrels and disputes which they had had among one another in the past this speech ended the queen rose from table and desired to go into her wardrobe room to see the clothes and jewels she wished to dispose of but Bourgoin observed that it would be better to have all these separate objects brought into her chamber that there would be a double advantage in this she would be less tired for one thing and the english would not see them for another this last reason decided her and while the servants were supping she had brought into her anteroom first of all all her robes and took the inventory from her wardrobe attendant and began to write in the margin beside each item the name of the person it was to be given to directly and as fast as she did it that person to whom it was given took it and put it aside as for the things which were too personal to her to be thus bestowed she ordered that they should be sold and that the purchase money should be used for her servants' traveling expenses when they returned to their own countries, well knowing how great the cost would be, and that no one would have sufficient means. This memorandum finished, she signed it, and gave it as a discharge to her wardrobe attendant. Then, that done, she went into her room where had been brought her rings, her jewels, and her most valuable belongings inspected them all one after the other down to the very least and distributed them as she had done her robes so that present or absent everyone had something then she furthermore gave to her most faithful people the jewels she intended for the king and queen of france for the king her son for the queen mother for Monsieur de Guise and de Lorraine, without forgetting in this distribution any prince or princess among her relatives. She desired, besides, that each should keep the things then in his care, giving her linen to the young lady who looked after it, her silk embroideries to her who took charge of them, her silver plate to her butler, and so on with the rest. Then as they were asking her for a discharge. It is useless, said she. You owe an account to me only, and tomorrow, therefore, you will no longer owe it to anyone. But, as they pointed out that the king her son could claim from them, you are right, said she, and she gave them what they asked. That done, and having no hope left of being visited by her confessor, she wrote him this letter. I have been tormented all this day on account of my religion, and urged to receive the consolations of a heretic. You will learn through Bourgoin and the others that everything they could say on this matter has been useless, that I have faithfully made protestation of the faith in which I wish to die. I requested that you should be allowed to receive my confession and to give me the sacrament, Which has been cruelly refused, as well as the removal of my body and the power to make my will freely, so that I cannot write anything except through their hands and with the good pleasure of their mistress. For want of seeing you, then, I confess to you my sins in general, as I should have done in particular, begging you, in God's name, to watch and pray this night with me for the remission of my sins and to send me your absolution and forgiveness for all the wrongs i have done you i shall try to see you in their presence as they permitted it to my steward and if it is allowed before all and on my knees i shall ask your blessing send me the best prayers you know for this night and for tomorrow morning for the time is short and i have not the leisure to write but be calm i shall recommend you like the rest of my servants and your benefices above all will be secured to you farewell for i have not much more time send to me in writing everything you can find best for my salvation in prayers and exhortations i send you my last little ring directly she had written this letter the queen began to make her will and at a stroke, with her pen running on and almost without lifting it from the paper, she wrote two large sheets, containing several paragraphs, in which no one was forgotten, present as absent, distributing the little she had with scrupulous fairness, and still more according to need than according to service. The executors she chose were the Duke of Guise, her first cousin, The archbishop of glasgow her ambassador the bishop of ross her chaplain-in-chief and monsieur de ruisseau her chancellor all four certainly very worthy of the charge the first from his authority the two bishops by piety and conscience and the last by his knowledge of affairs her will finished she wrote this letter to the king of france sir my brother-in-law Having by God's permission, and for my sins, I believe, thrown myself into the arms of this Queen, my cousin, where I have had much to endure for more than twenty years, I am, by her and by her Parliament, finally condemned to death. And having asked for my papers, taken from me to make my will, I have not been able to obtain anything to serve me, not even permission to write my last wishes freely nor leave, that after my death my body should be transported, as was my dearest desire, into your kingdom, where I had had the honour of being Queen, your sister, and your ally. Today, after dinner, without more respect, my sentence has been declared to me to be executed tomorrow, like a criminal, at eight o'clock in the morning. I have not the leisure to give you a full account of what has occurred, But if it please you to believe my doctor, and these others my distressed servants, you will hear the truth, and that thanks to God, I despise death, which I protest I receive innocent of every crime, even if I were their subject, which I never was. But my faith in the Catholic religion and my claims to the Crown of England are the real causes for my condemnation. And yet, they will not allow me to say that it is for religion I die, for my religion kills theirs. And that is so true, that they have taken my chaplain from me, who, although a prisoner in the same castle, may not come, either to console me or to give me the holy sacrament of the Eucharist. But on the contrary, they have made me urgent entreaties to receive the consolations of their minister, whom they have brought for this purpose. He who will bring you this letter, and the rest of my servants, who are your subjects for the most part, will bear you witness of the way in which I shall have performed my last act. Now it remains to me to implore you, as a most Christian king, as my brother in law, as my ancient ally, and one who has so often done me the honor to protest your friendship for me, to give proof of this friendship in your virtue and your charity, by helping me in that of which I cannot without you discharge my conscience, that is to say, in rewarding my good distressed servants, by giving them their dues. Then, in having prayers made to God for a queen who has been called most Christian, and who dies a Catholic, and deprived of all her goods. As to my son, I commend him to you as much as he shall deserve, for I cannot answer for him. But as to my servants, I commend them with clasped hands. I have taken the liberty of sending you two rare stones good for the health, hoping that yours may be perfect during a long life. You will receive them as coming from your very affectionate sister-in-law, at the point of death, and giving proof of her good disposition towards you. I shall commend my servants to you in a memorandum, and will order you, for the good of my soul for whose salvation it will be employed, to pay me a portion of what you owe me, if it please you, and I conjure you for the honor of Jesus.' to whom i shall pray tomorrow at my death that you leave me the wherewithal to found a mass and to perform the necessary charities this wednesday two hours after midnight your affectionate and good sister mary r of all these recommendations the will and the letters the queen at once had copies made which she signed so that if some should be seized by the english the others might reach their destination. Bourgoin pointed out to her that she was wrong to be in such a hurry to close them, and that perhaps in two or three hours she would remember that she had left something out. But the queen paid no attention, saying she was sure she had not forgotten anything, and that if she had, she had only time now to pray and to look to her conscience. So she shut up all the several articles in the drawers of a piece of furniture and gave the key to Bourgoin. Then, sending for a foot bath in which she stayed for about ten minutes, she lay down in bed, where she was not seen to sleep, but constantly to repeat prayers, or to remain in meditation. Towards four o'clock in the morning, the queen, who was accustomed after evening prayers, to have the story of some male or female saint read aloud to her, did not wish to depart from this habit. And, after having hesitated among several for this solemn occasion, she chose the greatest sinner of all, the penitent thief, saying humbly, If, great sinner as he was, he has yet sinned less than I, I desire to beg of him, in remembrance of the Passion of Jesus Christ, to have pity on me in the hour of my death, as our Lord had pity on him. Then, when the reading was over, she had all her handkerchiefs brought, and chose the finest, which was of delicate cambric, all embroidered in gold, to bandage her eyes with. At daybreak reflecting that she had only two hours to live she rose and began dressing but before she had finished bourgoin came into her room and afraid lest the absent servants might murmur against the queen if by chance they were discontented at the will and might accuse those who had been present of having taken away from their share to add to their own He begged Mary to send for them all, and to read it in their presence, to which Mary agreed, and consented to do at once. All the servants were then summoned, and the queen read her testament, saying that it was done of her own free, full, and entire will, written and signed with her own hand, and that accordingly she begged those present to give all the help in their power in seeing it carried out without change or omission then having read it over and having received a promise from all she gave it to Bourgoin, charging him to send it to monsieur de guise her chief executor and at the same time to forward her letters to the king and her principal papers and memorandums after this she had the casket brought in which she had put the purses which we mentioned before she opened them one after another and seeing by the ticket within for whom each was intended she distributed them with her own hand none of the recipients being aware of their contents these gifts varied from twenty to three hundred crowns and to these sums she added seven hundred livres for the poor namely two hundred for the poor of england and five hundred for the poor of france then she gave to each man in her suite two rose nobles to be distributed in alms for her sake and finally one hundred and fifty crowns to Bourgoin, to be divided among them all when they should separate and thus twenty-six or twenty-seven people had money legacies The queen performed all this with great composure and calmness, with no apparent change of countenance, so that it seemed as if she were only preparing for a journey or change of dwelling. Then she again bade her servants farewell, consoling them and exhorting them to live in peace, all this while finishing dressing as well and as elegantly as she could. Her toilet ended, the queen went from her reception room to her ante room, where there was an altar set up and arranged, at which, before he had been taken from her, her chaplain used to say mass, and kneeling on the steps, surrounded by all her servants, she began the communion prayers, and when they were ended, drawing from a golden box a host consecrated by Pius V, which she had always scrupulously preserved for the occasion of her death, she told Bourguin to take it, and as he was the senior, to take the priest's place, old age being holy and sacred. And in this manner, in spite of all the precautions taken to deprive her of it, the queen received the holy sacrament of the Eucharist. This pious ceremony ended... Bourgoin told the queen that in her will she had forgotten three people, Mlle Beauregard, de Montbrun, and her chaplain. The queen was greatly astonished at this oversight, which was quite involuntary, and taking back her will, she wrote her wishes with respect to them in the first empty margin. Then she kneeled down again in prayer. But after a moment, as she suffered too much in this position, She rose, and Bourgois, having had brought her a little bread and wine, she ate and drank, and when she had finished, gave him her hand, and thanked him for having been present to help her at her last meal as he was accustomed, and feeling stronger, she kneeled down and began to pray again. End of chapter 9, part 2 Recording by Dorothy Godfrey Smith